0: And welcome to the Matrix Green Pill, where real people connect. Hello, and welcome back to the Matrix Green Pill podcast. I'm Hill Marie Hutchison, and today I am thrilled to have Ollie Lingwood Craddock, a seasoned business professional, as my guest. Starting out as a senior research executive 20 years ago, he has made significant contributions across various industries. His current role is a CEO of Wrong Way, a workplace advice platform. Ollie, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
0: So to start off, could you please tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your background?
1: Great question. I guess if you look at my career, as you referenced there, I have done an eclectic range of jobs from market research to working for a chemicals company to working for a building materials distributor to then realizing that wasn't quite what I wanted to do. And I wanted to work for a smaller business. And that was really triggered by my wife, who'd only ever worked for startups. And I realized, you know, in combination with my goal had always been to want to run a business. I don't know why, but I'd always wanted to do that. I was really lucky that I took a leap out of kind of big corporates at that stage and into a fast growing but privately owned ed tech kind of digital learning business. From there, really anchored in on businesses that are trying to help people ultimately. And that's what I love. I've been really lucky that I've been able to do that a few times. And so if you very quickly, that's my background from a work perspective and outside of work. You speak to me the day before my first baby is due, which is um, quite an unusual experience at the minute in terms of exciting and terrifying in equal measure. So that's me.
0: Oh, wow. Congratulations. How exciting that is, a, As you say, very important day. Let's go just a little bit further back. So growing up, what was the dream?
1: The dream when I was a kid, I wanted to be an architect. I really wanted to be an architect. And as a child, I used to drawings of things like leisure centers and then I built models of them. I remember doing that. I don't know why a leisure center or a sports center. That was my kind of dream. And I left education and university not having a clue what I wanted to do, to be really honest. I'd kind of grown up in a world where professional services or become, you know, getting into a profession was all I'd ever been told was the right thing to do by my family and by my teachers, not realizing there's this whole world out there of really interesting jobs. And I kind of look back on that. I think that was a massive failing in the system I went through is that it didn't teach you what the options were you know, it kind of told you that you had to go and become an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor. And so kind of growing up, I left university not having a clear what I wanted to do and fell into market research as the first job. And from there, I realized I wanted to go into something a bit more business rather than agency and kind of took steps to eventually going, ending up at the company Mind Tools, which was three jobs ago of being really lucky and running the business. There was no predefined path for me. I just, just jumped around quite a lot. And if you look at my, you listed out what I've done, there was no sense of of at 16 years old, I want to be X, if you like. I didn't go down the architecture route because it took too long to train, being really honest.
0: Okay, that answers that question. Why did you choose not to pursue that?
1: I think it's kind of seven years of kind of quite hardcore studying and I didn't want to do that. You know, I was probably being a bit lazy when I was kind of 17, 18 and didn't want to do that. But actually wouldn't have been right for it anyway. It wasn't right for me. But I look back on the wish I had at the time in 14, 15, 16. And if only I'd known what the whole spectrum of jobs that were available. I think that could have been really interesting is what would I have done now if I'd have known what variety of things were available? I may be doing a completely different job. And that's something I think about for my Soon to be daughter is how do I help her understand what she could do, which isn't always just become, you know, kind of a narrow range of options, but the full set of options.
0: I love that because, as you say, we sort of think in very limited terms about, and I'm right there, my daughter's 15, right now they are needing to decide which school they're going to choose for their long-term education. And it's really difficult to say, what's the right move to make? Because she's also very passionate about one thing. And you think, well, is that the career path for her? And it's really hard, like you say, because you sort of also think you want to just sort of send them in that direction, they're going to be sort of stable. But there's more to life than making money, right?
1: Yeah, maybe It's easy for me to say I'm relatively successful, have a relatively well-paid job, but I think it's important that you do something you care about because we spend so much time at work, right? You you want to try and take something from it in a positive sense, whether it's kind of positive energy in some way, because we spend most of our life at work ultimately.
0: Absolutely. So what were some of the pivotal moments that shaped your path?
1: One was the exposure to a different set of scenario, a different type of company you could work for, which came via my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, who'd only ever worked startups. And so when I met her, the largest company she'd worked for had. 30 to 40 employees and i'd only ever worked in companies with thousands of employees you know multi you know big enterprise organization and i was very used to being a cog in a machine if you like a very big machine whereas she was used to being part of something that meant something everyone was galvanized around what the company was trying to achieve everyone got stuck in there was a great energy to it and that was a really big moment for me of there is a different path and i didn't really know that was an option until then or i hadn't considered that as an option until then and that was one thing that led me to make a decision that I wanted to go and work for a smaller company, or try it at least. And I'm glad I did. I would never go back to a big company now. That's one moment and that happened quite a long time ago now, probably 13 years ago. The other one is probably a manager I had, which is again about 16 years ago, is by far the best manager I've ever had. I'm still friends with him and kind of imparted on me even kind of through osmosis and subconsciously his, the way he was as a leader and manager and peer and coach was amazing. And I have Probably the way I try and manage and lead people now is ultimately mirroring most of what I learned from him. So in terms of my decision around the type of company I want to work for, was that kind of triggered effectively by my wife's experience? And also this way that I try and be as a manager and leader is triggered by one individual and I know who he is. So those probably were the two biggest moments, I would say, in terms of influence on me
0: that experience of having a good manager sort of informing you this is the kind of manager I would like to have and did have and also then to reflect that and be that kind of manager to other people.
1: Exactly yeah I describe it now to other people if as a manager you should wear multiple hats you should be a manager which is about managing performance you should be a coach as well so where you're kind of trying to help develop the person how have you helped that person improve every day and then the third hat is just to be a peer it's not about hierarchy it's about the times where as a in that role you need to be an outlet for the person where they're frustrated or maybe there's something going on outside of work that you can either listen or help them with. So I always talk about three hats.
0: I love that. And I think also as you mentioned in a smaller company, you have the possibility and the scope to do that because your role is not so defined. So you do have to have the ability to wear, as you say, different hats at different times. Funny enough, you say that 13 years ago you went to a small company. I don't think I've ever worked in a company with more than 20 employees. I have never been a cog in a machine and I cannot relate what that must be like. So uh, very interesting that we've had uh, such different paths. Let's talk a little bit about Rungway. You are the CEO of Rungway, a workplace advice platform. What is it about? Can you explain to our audience what is Rungway?
1: So Rungway is ultimately a technology platform. The impact it can have on an organization is to help individuals within the organization have a voice and be heard who are often disconnected and don't have a means to give, raise ideas or give feedback or raise issues. And that's where the technology helps individuals within the organization, but also helps leaders within that organization understand what are the emerging issues, what's the scale of sentiment, on them so how many people is it impacting who are those people and why is it impacting them and it's always on so people are organically kind of asking questions raising ideas raising issues we then aggregate that through technology and people to tell the leaders of that company this is what's going on this is what you should be doing something about now and we even help them in how they can respond and act on that so it shortcuts so often feedback happens in long cycles whether it be every six months every year by then it basically means nothing changes whereas runways always happening. And through the service we provide around the technology, we help leaders do that really efficiently in terms of do something about this now and it will have a big impact. And then we can prove the impact that has in terms of sentiment of the individuals within the company.
0: You've got direct communication to the workforce.
1: Exactly, yeah. The workforce are able to, at any time, go onto their phone, either raise an issue themselves or react to or support something that someone else is saying. And all of that, whether it be text, interaction, what people are looking at, all builds up a picture for us of what's going on in the company. And ultimately, we know there's loads of studies out there as a senior person in a big organization. So some of our clients have 70 to 100,000 employees. Often, they are distributed workforces, so there might be someone out in a van or workers out on a site, so they're not in an office, they're not in one location. The senior people don't know what's really going on in the company, they don't know the real reality of the day-to-day, and the people who do know that are the employees, but the way those companies work means there is a disconnect there's no bridge between the senior people who make the decisions and the knowledge which sits with the employees. So that can play out in lots of different ways. But the impact can be that people don't feel heard, there's an issue that's emerging. And by the time the senior people know about it, it's too late and those people have left. You know, there's a really negative employee experience as a result of that. Or if there's a big transformation initiative going on in that company, the people who really know how it's going to work and where the issues are with it are the employees. And we become a mechanism for that to be surfaced because people can post anonymously. It's very safe for them to do that. And it means you hear from everybody, not just a small group of loud voices. So you get a real sense of what's happening. And then the leaders can respond out on those issues on runway to close the loop of feedback you're heard and very quickly respond back. And this is what we're going to do about it
0: a very valuable service for both employees and then for leadership as well. That's excellent. Do you find that there are sort of typical challenges that companies have or are they very much specific to companies?
1: Right now, there are probably typical challenges and I think it depends on the nature of the organization model. So if it is an organization that has a distributed workforce, there are inevitably pockets of disconnection. There are groups of colleagues the company feels like they can't get to in terms of communication and can't hear from and that's dangerous because they therefore don't understand what small changes they can make to have a big impact on those people and improve their experience and frankly mean that they are more likely to perform, be engaged and are therefore retained. And talent retention is everything in the current market. The impact it has on your customer experience is enormous. So in those kind of distributed workforces, it's a lot about that. I think in maybe a more kind of traditional corporate model, it is often about the nature of the hybrid working model of the reality of how you understand and glue together your role model, the right connection from senior people to your employees in a way that is authentic and human rather than in kind of overly polished corporate communications and show that you're listening and that you care. And ultimately, the generations coming through the workforce now demand that. They want a straight line to the top. They want to feel heard. They want to be heard now. They don't want to wait for six months. That kind of organic open connection, the ability to ask the CEO questions of why are we doing this? Those are the kind of things that Runway helps with and those are the kind of challenges that we hear
0: about. You mentioned the hybrid working model. We also know there's been a lot of changes in the way people work since COVID and now with AI and technology becoming sort of more a reality of taking over some jobs. How do you see or envision the future of work?
1: I think the future works are really interesting. Well, I, I guess I've touched on it a little bit already. I think there is a enormous shift needing to happen within organizations now in terms of developing and putting in place the next generation of leaders that older generations are fast approaching retirement age and have the organizations got in place the next group of people to take over if not already taken over. There's a really big challenge for companies there. But I think the really big obvious one, and I know everyone always talks about it, is the nature of work now and the way we work. And we all read headlines now about people companies mandating that people come back to the office. I don't actually align to that because I think the control dynamic in terms of employee to employer has changed forever since kind of lockdowns and COVID happened. And I think the employees are now asking questions, well, why do I need to go to the office? And if companies are mandating that, they're looking a little bit out of touch. A great example is I haven't worked in an office five days a week for over 15 years. So it's not new to me that you measure people by their output, you know, their results rather rather than their visibility at a desk, ultimately. And I think that comes back to trust. It comes back to what your values are. It comes back to driving a flatter organization structure where individuals are more empowered, ultimately, which is probably the more traditional hierarchical structures don't work in that way. And they're built around the fact that people are all in an office and therefore it's predicated on that model. For me, I think ultimately talent will no longer want to work for companies where they have to be in the office five days a week.
0: Yeah, I think absolutely. I think we see that all over, that um, even as a small company, we try and uh, give people the flexibility and the ability and the tools to be able to be more flexible.
1: I think employees, and I talked about this even when I was running a learning business, I think we as employees, and we're employees ourselves, we bring probably more of a consumer mindset in terms of expectations into our job, whereas 50 years ago, you were lucky to have a job, whereas now it's, well, you're lucky to have me working for you. It's the other way around. And people don't think about tenure in jobs in terms of years anymore. They probably think about it in terms of months. I think the expectation of what the experience of being an employee, a company like, has gone through the roof. I've worked at companies where you're probably a bit cliched and you have a table tennis table and you have nice snacks in the office and you buy a coffee machine. And actually, it's not about that really. It's about, well, what are you doing to do? Am I going to learn in this job? And if I don't feel like I'm learning, I'm going to leave. And that's really challenging as a senior person in the company. And I think it's good, but you're being held accountable to that kind of standard. And so you've got to be transparent. There is an expectation of that as well. You've got to link to probably a bit more purpose in terms of what you're trying to do. And I think that authenticity of your brand as a leader and an employer is a hugely important part of the employee experience now.
0: Absolutely. I also think what you mentioned, their purpose. Employees are not just wanting a job, as you said, they want a purpose in life. So it's not just the purpose of the company or their purpose for the individual needs to be aligned with the purpose of the company. So it's very important for companies to communicate what their purpose is.
1: Absolutely, I completely agree with you. I think that's, as I interview people, one of the first things I get asked is about what's the, you know, tell me about the company mission. There's always a question.
0: We talk about a lot often is work-life balance. Do you find in your work with employees that there is a struggle to maintain work-life balance? And if there is, what advice would you give to people who are struggling to maintain work-life balance?
1: I think it can be really hard and I think it varies by individual. I see some people who are very good at it. I'm probably not very good at it and I work hard at it. I think probably working from home makes it even harder. You know, I remember where I used to drive to an office most of the week. That car journey created that switch off moment where your brain would switch off, you would decompress. Whereas if you're working from home, you don't have that opportunity. You can walk out the room you're working in and you're in your house, but it's happened instantly. I think for me, it's really important that kind of compartmentalization is something I work really hard at. And so things like at the end of my working day, I go through my to-do list, I cross things off and I create my to-do list for the next day and my kind of goals for the next day to try and create that kind of mental switch-off moment so I'm not thinking about that anymore in an evening. And then I try and do something very different to being sat at a desk looking at a screen so I don't go and watch the TV straight away. I might do some exercise, walk my dog around, you know, nearby, even if it's for 20 minutes because I think otherwise there's a risk the work and non-work, if you like, blurs together and there isn't that, for me, that hard line between the two. And so that kind of to-do list this creation is a good way of switching, stopping your brain thinking about work, and then that. doing something very different, even if it's for 10, 20 minutes. For me, I find it useful in terms of that kind of mental decompression. Your brain's been spinning at 100 miles an hour. How do you get it to slow down? And you need to kind of create a hard switch for that to happen.
0: Oh, I love that. I think that's an excellent tip is sit down to check off what's been done and sort of create that list for tomorrow so that you know, okay, I know what I'm planning for tomorrow. Now I can walk away from this and do something different to sort of make that hard switch. I find it really hard to switch off from work. This I will try because I can just keep going because if there's emails sitting there, I'm an inbox zero type of person. So I keep going till either can't anymore or inbox zero. And inbox zero is very hard to get to sometimes. So I think that's an excellent tip. Looking ahead, what projects or initiatives are you excited about or either within Runway or any other areas that you're involved in?
1: I think within Runway, I think we're at a point where we're, we're bringing in a few new people to the team. And obviously that's a really nice challenge to have in terms of forming a new team. So I guess part of my job is to do that, right? And it's to some things we're talking about are how do we create that kind of connection and relationship and energy across a team that works quite remotely. It's a challenge and exciting. So for next year, the goal for me is to have that team, have the right relationship so we're working really well together and collaborating, whether that be at, at times virtually and in person. And that will flow through in terms of we've got some exciting ideas in terms of product development next year. But also we believe the way we're working with clients We're working on in terms of the impact we can have and we're focusing a lot more on how we can help those senior leaders in organizations through some service aspects we bring in. So there's loads of new things happening at Runway, which is exciting. I think I'm now at a point where there's all the pieces are in place in terms of the people and kind of my job is to get out the way at that point and let them work, which is exciting to see. Obviously, on a personal level, I'm about to become a dad for the first time. So I'm going to have my hands full moving forward. But also on a kind of balancing work and life, going back to your other question, that's a new challenge for me in terms of how to do. I probably make me even more effective or hopefully more effective at doing that and probably help me delegate more effectively as well. So which will hopefully benefit the team as well. So it becomes quite circular. So those are the things I'm excited about in the next 12 months.
0: Most challenging job lays ahead, but also the most rewarding.
1: Exactly that, yeah.
0: Fantastic. Now it's time for the high energy segment of our show. So get ready as we dive into our version of a game show. Are you ready? Yes. What's the best career advice you've ever received?
1: Do something that you love.
0: Okay. What's the best career advice you've ever given?
1: This isn't the right job for you.
0: <laughs> Very good. If you could have a superpower for a day, what would it be?
1: That is a great question. I'd love to be invisible because I'd love to kind of go in, be in the room in some conversations that go on that you never have access to.
0: Share a productivity hack you swear by.
1: The Pomodoro technique, if you know what that is, in terms of um, you compartmentalize time into 25-minute sections. You have to get something done in 25 minutes.
0: And then do you take a break for five minutes before you start?
1: You take a five-minute break and then you start the timer again on the next task.
0: Oh, I love that. Excellent. One word to describe your leadership style
1: transparent
0: what is one thing you do every day no matter how busy you are my wife
1: and i say three things we're grateful for every day
0: oh i love that excellent well thank you very much for playing along that was the end of the game show it wasn't too hard now before we wrap up i'd like to ask you about your green Pool moment what green pool advice would you give to your younger self
1: I would say make sure that you always protect time in your workday for learning new things and developing yourself. Because I think I'm probably very guilty, you know, in, in when you're very busy that you get the tasks done, if you like, and don't protect that time for learning. And I think I've probably been guilty in the past of not thinking that that's part of my job. And it is ultimately part of your job to continue to develop yourself. That makes you better at your job.
0: Oh, that's excellent advice. I'm sure that our audience will also find that advice very useful. Thank you so much, Oli, for being here today and for sharing your incredible journey and your tips. I think I've taken away some really excellent ones from our conversation. It's been really an excellent conversation. Before we say goodbye, could you please tell our listeners where they can find and follow you?
1: You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm on there as Oli Lingwood Craddock, or if you go to the Runway website, which is runway.com, you can also find out more about us there. So those would be the two best places.
0: Thank you very much. And again, a heartfelt thank you for joining me today. I wish you all the very best and exciting days ahead with being a dad.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. It's been great to talk to you.
0: If you enjoy our conversations, please like and subscribe. See you next Wednesday.